Hello, and welcome to Will We Make It Out Alive? I'm Amy, the Poop Detective. And I'm Jen, the Magical Mapper. This is episode two. Love your mother, Earth Farm. Fresh food for underserved communities? In this episode, we will learn more about the Mother Earth Farm, which grows fresh produce for the Emergency Food Network, a food bank located in Tacoma, Washington, that provides services to Pierce County residents. We will learn more about what they are doing, why it is important to food access and sovereignty, and how you can help. Season two is all about our food system, food access, and food justice. This season is five episodes long. The first episode provided an introduction to our traditional food system and some of the problems with it, as well as some alternative food systems. Interviewees this season are all part of organizations that are working to help ensure that everyone, but especially our underserved communities, have access to fresh, healthy, culturally appropriate, local food, and help move our communities towards more just and sustainable food systems. But we'll also try to sneak in other great facts and tidbits, like, Jen, do you know why eggs can't tell a joke? Uh, cause, uh, no. I don't know. Because they crack each other up. Oh. (laughs) Well, according to an article in the Journal of Community Health, quote, food banks play a major role in the food aid sector by distributing donated and purchased groceries directly to food insecure families. The public health implications of food insecurity are significant, particularly as food insecurity has a higher prevalence among certain population groups, end quote. In their review of existing studies performed to evaluate the effectiveness of food banks for providing food security, it was, quote, found that while food banks have an important role to play in providing immediate solutions to severe food deprivation, they are limited in their capacity to improve overall food security outcomes due to the limited provision of nutrient-dense foods in insufficient amounts, especially from dairy, vegetables, and fruits. Food banks have the potential to improve food security outcomes when operational resources are adequate, provisions of perishable food groups are available, and client needs are identified and addressed. End quote. Today, we will learn more about one food bank program that is trying to increase capacity to improve overall food security and provide fresh, nutrient-rich, culturally appropriate foods to their community. Programs like the Emergency Food Network and Mother Earth Farm are so important in the role they play to provide fresh, healthy produce to underserved communities and in providing a place for community building. Hey, Jen, why can't you trust tacos? What? Amy, you're not going to try to ruin tacos for me, are you? I would never. But you shouldn't trust them, Jen. Why? They tend to spill the beans. Oh. Right out the end. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, let's welcome Liam McNamara. By the way, the interview that you're about to hear was recorded last summer, but Liam is no longer with Emergency Food Network. Today, we would like to welcome Liam McNamara with Pierce County's Emergency Food Network and the Mother Earth Farm. Liam is in his second season as the farm manager at Mother Earth Farm. Having grown up in Puyallup, he feels blessed to be farming in the beautiful Puyallup Valley and working to support his community by growing produce for neighbors in need. In 2012, he graduated from the Evergreen State College with a BA in Environmental Justice. 
He has been involved with sustainable agriculture for 11 years and is currently in his eighth full season of farming. He also has four years of experience working with the Washington State Department of Agriculture Organic Program as an organic certification regulator. His favorite crops to grow and eat are tomatoes, peppers, and kales. I love that. <laughs> when he isn't farming, you can find him training his two dogs, Merlin and Stevie Nicks, playing guitar, cooking, and hanging out on the beach, sometimes all at once. Thank you so much for joining us, Liam. Thanks for having me. Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about you, outside of what we just said, of course, and how you became involved with the Emergency Food Network and your top secret lair, a.k.a. the Mother Earth Farm. Sure. So I became involved with farming back in 2010, as you mentioned, and I've been doing a little bit of farming ever since, even in the times when I wasn't full-time employed as a farmer. But most recently, before Mother Earth Farm, I was working for the state as an organic regulator, keeping farms and food handlers to the organic certification standards. And I had been in that position for about four or five years uh, and was ready to transition back to full-time in the fields, but wasn't really sure how that was going to happen. And at the time I was living in Olympia and had just moved actually back to Pierce County where I grew up to Tacoma. I was at a local grain convention called the Cascadia Grain Convention and mm. happened to run into and meet the farm manager of Mother Earth Farm at that convention and got to talking. She asked a question about farmers in Pierce County and having just moved back, I was like, I got to talk to this person. <laughs> and so we got to talking and she happened to be on her way out about to hike the Pacific Crest Trail. Ooh. And so she kind of, you know, gave me the details that, hey, this this position's coming available and I researched from there and then was lucky enough to be chosen for the position. So I, having grown up in Puyallup, is very interesting. I had not heard of Mother Earth Farm before, and so it kind of is this little hidden gem in the valley, and I just feel really lucky to be there now. Yeah, nice set of events there that kind right. of led you up to knowing about the position being available, especially if you weren't even familiar with the farm necessarily right. beforehand. Definitely a solid serendipity kind of series of events, for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, before we get into the weeds, <laughs> learning more about Mother Earth Farm, let's chat a wee bit about the Emergency Food Network. So for those who are unfamiliar, how would you sum up what the Emergency Food Network is and what they're trying to do? So the Emergency Food Network is the only food distribution nonprofit in Pierce County. In 2020, EFN provided 19.5 million pounds of healthy, nutritious food to 70 plus food pantries, meal sites and shelters for distribution to families and individuals in need. So I've often heard it conceptualized as the Costco of food banks. Cool. <laughs> Emergency Food Network focuses more on distribution to the food pantries and then the food pantries distribute to the final consumer. Right. So they're really kind of the behind the scenes distribution network a little bit? Yeah, I think that's definitely an accurate way of putting it together. I think there are some direct service programs that really got started in the COVID times. But prior to that, it was very much we take in large amounts of food to then break out those orders for the smaller food pantries. 
which sometimes then even break it down further for the family-sized portion. Huh. Yeah. So how is the Emergency Food Network unique compared to other food programs or emergency food programs in the U.S.? So EFN has a small regional focus and our small size allows us to prioritize other small programs and test out other our new programs in ways that other distribution places cannot do. So I guess it makes us nimble. Mm-hmm. We also don't charge a fee for service, which some distributors do charge a poundage fee to the final food bank. Oh, wow. Yeah, those are pretty unique within the food banking system. And then, of course, the thing that I think makes us the most unique is Mother Earth Farm. Mm -hmm. We think that's pretty special, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we get to grow our food for our neighbors. And the sole purpose of the farm is to grow food for food pantries. Nothing is sold. So it's really a special program within the already special programs that Emergency Food Network offers. Mm -hmm. And how many people about does the Emergency Food Network typically serve each month? In 2020, we served an average of 157,817 people each month. Wow. um, Which was an increase of 40% from 2019. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Probably because of the pandemic. Yeah, we've seen a huge surge in need because of the Mm -hmm. pandemic. And even prior to 2020, the trend was going up in terms of need in Pierce County. So it was significant in 2019, but it's still just this upwards trend of need. Mm -hmm. We are projecting that to continue for a few years at least. Wow. Yeah. I think that actually goes really well right into this next question. Since one of the main things we're trying to discuss this season is food security, is the Emergency Food Network able to meet the needs in Pierce County? I mean, do people still go hungry or? Unfortunately, yes, there are people who still are food insecure in our community. And that could look like either they stretch their meals or they water them down or skip meals uh, in order to provide food for their families. Also, you know, sometimes people have to buy the less expensive or less nutritious foods Mm -hmm. due to their limits at the grocery store. So we're meeting the need as best as we can. And it's still a growing need in this county. Mm -hmm. EFN focuses on on not only providing food, but nutritious food that people wouldn't be able to access due to either living in a food desert or poor quality produce in the stores that they can have access to. So we really pride ourselves on trying to meet the nutritious piece of our mission statement, as well as just, you know, we want to meet the needs of getting food out there, but we want right. it to be nutritious yeah. and the best quality that we can. because it, Like fresh from the farm. Yeah. Like fresh from the farm, <laughs> for sure. When available, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> so So then does the distribution actually get prioritized or is it going out to the local food banks and then they're somehow figuring out who has access to that then? Yeah. So EFN works to prioritize programs that are in underserved areas of the county. Mm -hmm. And we try to accommodate all of our partner programs and provide them with as much food as they can store. So that's definitely there's a range of smaller pantries to some of our larger partners can store a whole lot of food versus some places only have the one fridge. Right. Wow. And so that definitely 
factors into prioritization. For the farm specifically, we work with partners who are able to pick up and store the the fresh produce. So they come to the farm directly and pick up from us. We don't have the capacity to deliver. And so we work really closely with our partner programs to coordinate that transit and their storage capacity, make sure we understand what they have room available for before we go out and harvest 100 bins of kale and they can all have too. Like, actually, we don't have enough room for all of that. Yeah, we really try to avoid that situation because there's nothing bigger of a bummer than, you know, having the food and not having yeah that last piece in the chain yeah yeah, especially going through all the effort of growing it uh so speaking of the farm let's talk more about it what's the goal or the intent of the mother earth farm our goal is to grow and distribute at least a hundred thousand pounds of produce from the farm to our partner programs each year wow that's a lot yeah (laughs) yeah it is it is a lot it's a lot to lift I'm impressed that you can produce that amount of food on that small of an area. Yeah, can we talk about that a little bit more? I mean, is that normal? I mean, I do like a little home gardening in my yard, but that seems like a ton, uh, probably more than a ton. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's quite a few tons of produce. We have a lot of weed pressure on the farm that can sometimes negatively affect some of our yields, but I would Mm -hmm. say it's a really good yield for what we're working with. The flip side of that is the reason we have such good weed growing abilities is because we have such good soil in the Dollar Valley. Right. Right. Thanks to that river. (laughs) I know. It's such a double-edged sword. (laughs) But it's pretty average. And 100,000 being the average, there are years, I think, when we've hit 150 plus. Wow. And there are years when it maybe is a little less. Sure. And some of that comes down to, you know, who's around on the farm that year, too. Mm -hmm. Because we work with a lot of volunteers. Sure. (laughs) And that goal fits into EFN's larger goal of hitting at least 50% of the food provided by EFN as fruits or vegetables. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So we really are trying to make sure Mother Earth Farm fits into that as best as possible. Mm-hmm. The farm is one of the few chances that we actually have to be proactive about the food that we choose to grow and provide to our food banks. So we really get to be specific in our planning process to make sure we're growing things that people want to eat and that are culturally appropriate. Also, mm-hmm. we do grow a wide range of culturally diverse foods based on the survey that we'll send out to our partner programs, asking them, hey, what do your guests want? An example is we have a lot of Eastern European communities in Pierce County, and they really love beets. Um, They really love red beets, but not necessarily golden beets. So we can get to that level of specificity on the farm, which is really not possible when you're ordering pallets of produce for the overall distribution to the county. You can't get that specific. Yeah, that's amazing. Amazing, actually, that you guys have the ability to go into a community, ask ahead of time what they want, and then actually provide that instead of just what's easy to grow or what's right. available or what. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure some of that still plays a role. Oh, in yes. Those, but. Oh, yes. <laughs> And every year we get better. So, you know, we send out the survey each year and we try and tinker with our crop plan every year so we can get just a little bit more dialed in. You know, part of food security for me, at least, is is food waste and making sure we're Mm -hmm. bridging that gap. We don't want to grow anything that's not going to get eaten because it's unfamiliar. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Also, I'm sure that's difficult to do. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
Yeah, it can be. Or fun, if you're into that kind of... <laughs> also can be, yeah. Farm planting tinkerings. Yeah. I like it. I can say that. <laughs> How long has the Mother Earth Farm been in existence? Like, has it been around... Has it always been a part of the Emergency Food Network? Or did it... Was it an idea that came later? So Mother Earth Farm has been around in this format for 20 years, actually, I believe 2021 is our 20th anniversary. Oh. Yeah. And it was started by someone who now manages a veterans farm in the county. And so it's been around for quite a while. And my understanding is those 20 years, it was part of the Emergency Food Network. Mm -hmm. Before that, it was a farm in various different ways. Hmm. So I think at one point there was some dairy farming going on and some vegetable farming, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But in private ownership. Yeah. And so we are lucky that we're able to have the land that we have through a generous donation from the Hightower family. So we actually lease the land for a dollar a year from that family. And they basically just let us run the place and make sure that we keep it in production. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, super amazing. So how big is the farm? Yeah, it's eight acres. And of those eight acres, we actually cultivate about five of them in row crop vegetables. And another acre or so is in orchards. So we have a 20 year old orchard that was established right when this farm uh, became Mother Earth Farm and started being a food resource for the community. And then we've got a newer orchard, which is only about three years old, and it's not producing fruit just yet. I didn't know there were orchards there. (laughs) Yeah, they kind of hide. If you've come out to volunteer, you don't really get to hang out in the orchard too much because we're a little possessive of it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a really nice place to hang out and eat a meal. And we have honeybees that live in there. Nice. Yeah, it's really nice. So does the farm grow food year round? Obviously, like an orchard would be year round. Yeah, absolutely. So we have two covered high tunnels is what they're called. It's basically a big greenhouse. And we have three caterpillar tunnels, which is just a high tunnel shrunk down. Hmm. A low tunnel, you might call it. (laughs) And so we do use those to grow food year round. In the winter, we, myself and the assistant manager, manage the whole property and take care of harvest and distribution, all of that. And so the amount of poundage that we are distributing follows the seasons. And so our Mm -hmm. big months are June through September, October, even November. And then December through even through May is when we're sending out less produce. Mm -hmm. We tend to sort of release some of our partners for the winter, but we try and keep on anywhere between four and six different food pantry sites Mm. through the winter. And I think that's a really unique and super valuable thing that we do because it's a lot of like fresh greens, which is just not something that is super common in the food banking world because they just don't transport well. Right. And so we're able to meet that need in the winter. And I think that's actually a really cool thing that we can do. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily what every farm even around is doing either. Mm -hmm. And then in the winter, do you guys have a lot less volunteers coming into the farm as well? Yeah, we go from during the main season, we have community volunteer 
shifts available at a minimum Friday and Saturday, both a morning and an afternoon, both days, to just one day a month. Wow. In the winter, yeah. And it's just a morning. There's a lot of work to be done in the winter, but I will say you have to be a special type of person to (laughs) want to work outside in the winter in Western Washington. (laughs) It's pretty wet and pretty cold and sometimes a little miserable, but Mm -hmm. kind of fun too. You don't want to burn your volunteers too much. (laughs) Right, Right. yeah. We give them once a month to experience it and then they can go home and be warm for the rest of the month. What are your favorite or least favorite parts about being a farm manager? Well, my favorite part about being the farm manager is getting to see the farm through each season, like we were saying with harvesting in the winter. You get to see it in its quiet times and its more busy times. I also am kind of OCD and just like being in charge of like, (laughs) oh, I can, that's my thing. And I can sort of guide that how I'd like to see it. Mm -hmm. That's also my least favorite part, though, of being farm manager is being in that role of, you know, the final decision (laughs) comes down to me, whether it's one I want to make or not. Sure. Also, sometimes being the manager. Right. You're like, I'd rather just work in the dirt. Yeah. You end up doing a lot. (laughs) lot of the stuff that is admin tasks that need to happen but aren't the fun things that I signed up to uh, you know I like to weed Mm -hmm. so then is the farm managed or I guess I should say is the farm worked Mm. mostly by staff or does it take a lot of volunteer effort yeah it does take a lot of volunteer effort so my tenure at the farm has been unique because before 2020 before COVID hit we worked with a crew of incarcerated women Oh. Yeah, and they were our main harvest crew, and it was a job training program. We haven't been able to have the women out Mm -hmm. because of COVID, Mm -hmm. and that's still the case this year, unfortunately, and hopefully next year we'll be back to having them out. And yeah, it's a really cool program, and it really has been part of how Mother Earth Farm was run the whole time. Mm -hmm. The WCCW crew has been integral to making sure the work can happen, and it's also that flip side of giving those women who often are about to re-enter society mm-hmm. job training and professional skill building time. Right. And so without them to help us in the last two seasons, we've had to pivot and we did kind of increase how many volunteers we're working with to sort of fill that in. And then also this year, we hired a few more staff, including four AmeriCorps positions. Awesome. So if you know anyone who wants to volunteer, <laughs> just send them to me. There we go. Yep. So what are the kind of regular tasks that are ongoing around the farm? Weeding. Weeding is the number one <laughs> task. You're- so surprising. Yeah. Yeah. So we're always weeding. We're kind Constantly, like I said, we have a lot of weed pressure in the Puyallup Valley in general and then on this farm in particular for whatever reason. We just have a great weed seed bank, which is awesome if you're a weed and it's not <laughs> awesome if you're a fennel. So we're always weeding and then we're also always, almost always doing some kind of transplanting or seeding in our greenhouse on wet days. We'll often be seeding the next round of crops. So like when you were talking about your row houses, do you guys start things in those and then move them out later in the year? Or do you grow year round in them or combo? Yeah, we have a dedicated greenhouse for starting our plants and we start everything from seed pretty much. Last year we purchased uh, leak starts because Mm -hmm. we had some bad germination. Mm -hmm. But everything else, we just we start everything from seed and that all happens in a dedicated greenhouse that doesn't have any area in the ground to grow plants. It's just tables. 
Yep. Um, but then the other two high tunnels and the three low tunnels, those are all just covered soil, basically. So in there, we do direct seed some crops, but mostly it's just transplanting into there. And we'll do like during the hot season, we do tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers in there. And then in the winter, it's more like salad greens. Mm. And we did some overwintered beets this year that were really successful. Oh. <laughs> Things like that, that we can consistently keep alive even when it's freezing outside. Right. So what volunteer opportunities are there at the farm? Are you still doing Brewer's Night? I think you stopped because of COVID. Yeah. Well, we're hoping to bring it back. Yay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're waiting just a little longer for the pandemic to kind of wind down Mm -hmm. a little more. Yeah. But that was one of the things that drew me to this job. I saw Brewer's (laughs) Night and I was like, I want to be there. (laughs) And it's one of the most popular volunteer activities we do. So just a little plug for Brewers Night for when we do bring it back. Local breweries donate beer and then volunteers can enjoy that drink as they're also (laughs) weeding. So we're doing both. We're doing some work. We're having some fun. And it's, yeah, super popular volunteer activity. So we really like it. We try to do that in the evening on a weeknight. So it's the most accessible that we can. Mm -hmm. And then other volunteer opportunities, though, we have just general kind of open community volunteer shifts that you sign up for online on Fridays and Saturdays. We have a morning and an afternoon. And those shifts are three hours long. We will also try and do other programs probably as COVID subsides. But at the moment, we don't have anything planned except for maybe bringing back Brewer's Night. Uh, mm-hmm. We also used to do a wine and weeding. So that that's a possibility. Ah, nice. You know, got to keep everybody happy here. <laughs> right, right. And yeah, so there's definitely volunteer opportunities. And one of the things I tell my staff is, you know, part of our job is cultivating produce, but we're also cultivating relationships with our volunteers. So it's very much for me Mm -hmm. a high priority that we are having a lot of fun with volunteers and creating a space that everybody feels welcome in and wants to come back to again. Yeah, I know I have volunteered at a brewer's night and it was really fun. We weeded kale and there were a lot of weeds. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. super fun. That's awesome. Well, I hope you can come back soon. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) How has COVID impacted your volunteer opportunities? So it's limited the number of people that we can have per volunteer shift. I mean, with anything COVID related, it's all changing constantly. Right. But at this point, like as of today, we're limited to 10 volunteers per shift. I see that probably opening up soon to allow higher numbers. The other thing is, you know, we definitely have to wear masks. We try and stay socially distant. So we're doing everything that any other place is doing. Mm -hmm. Luckily for us with being an eight acre farm, the social distance part is really easy for us to achieve. (laughs) And when we're far away from each other in the field, we can take our we can take some breaks with the masks as well because we're outside well over 10 feet apart. So we try and like find a balance because it's hard farming in a mask or volunteering and pulling weeds in a mask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we just acknowledge that and try our best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited at least for more people to be able to come out again, because previously to COVID, we could have volunteer groups up to 100 people. Wow. Which is, I know, it blows my <laughs> mind because I started the first week that COVID shut everything down. Oh, no. In, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and so I've never known that to be the case on the farm, and I'm a little nervous about it, but I'm also like, that would be super awesome. Yeah. You're like, so, I could use the help, but... Right, right. Little... I don't know how you manage 100 right. people in a space. Right. That will be my next learning curve, but... I'm sure it'll be a fun time. (laughs) Sure. If any of our listeners wanted to volunteer, how can they sign up? So there's a volunteer portal on our website and the link will be in your show notes. Mm -hmm. And you can sign up there for either volunteering with the farm directly or other opportunities at the Emergency Food Network. Awesome. So speaking of other opportunities, I see that you have something called the Grow Your Food Seed Start Program. When did that start and can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Yeah. So the Grow Your Food Start Program started at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. We identified a way that Emergency Food Network could create more access in the food system by encouraging our supporters to grow their own food. And then if they did have any excess food, uh, to donate it directly to food banks in their community, our partner programs. Mm -hmm. And so we did it in 2020. And now we're doing it again in 2021 and it will probably, it was very successful. So it'll probably be something we just kind of do from now on. Great. So yeah, I wasn't really all that interested in gardening before, but I planted a few seeds and it really grew on me. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yes. That's awesome. Oh my. See, we got to keep it fun and funny too. (laughs) Oh yeah. Really good jokes. That was good. We're scientists and Thank jokesters. You. <laughs> um, so who can participate in the Grow Your Food program? Anybody is welcome to participate and everybody. This year, we want to get the starts out to the community. And so however we can do that, that's what we're trying to do. So this year, we partnered with Harvest Pierce County to host seed start giveaways at six of their community gardens throughout the county, it, as well as the giveaway we do each week at our own Emergency Food Network community garden. That giveaway happens every Friday. I believe it's at 9 a.m. Check our Facebook page for week by week details and swing by and get some of these starts. We want them to be planted. Great. Awesome. So this switching gear is just a little bit because we've mostly been talking about the farm, but we did want to get in a little bit more on the Emergency Food Network as well and specifically about the Repack project. And we were wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about that, including who can participate and how to volunteer to sign up. Definitely. So the Repack project is a project where volunteers can help prepare bulk foods for distribution by repackaging them into smaller family size portions. So typically those foods are going to include things like rice and beans and oats, um, frozen corn and peas, even oranges. And frozen carrots sometimes. Too. And frozen carrots sometimes. <laughs> Sounds like someone's got experience. You know, even fresh fruit, oranges and apples have been repacked as part of this project before. So then once the product is repacked, the food then can be easily sent out to the 70 plus food pantries we serve in Pierce County and then easily distributed from there. So before the pandemic, we had volunteers in the repack program who packed about one and a half million pounds of food annually. So amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The Repack Project is basically just ramping up again after having to, you know, start and stop because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping to get back there. 
And you can sign up. Anybody can sign up. They do need to be 16 to volunteer without a parent or 12 if their parents are with them. That's the only kind of requirement mm -hmm. for age. And then they can sign up for the Repath Project through our volunteer portal on our website, just the same way as you can sign up at the farm. Awesome. Great. Yeah. And that as well is really fun. If you are interested in volunteering with Emergency Food Network or Mother Earth Farm as a project of Emergency Food Network, we are interested in having you. So please go to our website, look through the information, go to the volunteer portal, make a page, sign up, and we're looking forward to working with you. Awesome. Great. Sounds so easy. Right? Super easy. Finally, what's small, red, and whispers? Small, red, and whispers. Uh, a wire worm. I don't know. Very close. A horse radish. Uh, <laughs> nice. We crack ourselves up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing more about Mother Earth Farm. We really enjoyed learning about the farm and the role it plays in food security in Pierce County and helping people especially have access to fresh produce. Yeah. We love all of the different volunteer opportunities that there are with the farm and with Emergency Food Network. Yeah, I really encourage people to sign up because they're really fun. And especially as we're all coming out of COVID times yeah. and need to like get out and socialize mm -hmm. again, you know, it's a great thing to do. Well, thank you for having me. Mother Earth Farm is located in Pierce County, Washington, but you may also be able to plug into programs like this, either by directly volunteering for a food bank or finding a community garden in your area that provides food to your community, or maybe even through gleaning, which we'll learn more about gleaning in our next episode. Nice. For example, in Lane County where Eugene is in Oregon, they have the Food for Lane County program. And basically, they're a nonprofit food bank dedicated to reducing hunger by engaging the community to create access to food. They find, collect, rescue, grow, prepare, and package food for distribution through a network of 163 social service agencies and programs, many of which are designed to improve the ability of low-income individuals to maintain an adequate supply of wholesome, nutritious food. Their programs include emergency food boxes, shelters, meal sites, rehabilitation facilities, nutrition, education, gleaning, and community gardens. Wow. Right? They serve a diverse population of people living on limited incomes, including children, families, seniors, and single adults. And they manage two gardens where they grow fresh, nutritious food for distribution through the Food for Lane County Network, while providing opportunities for youth and adults to grow, learn, and contribute to their community. Hey, Jen, do you know what kind of socks you need to plant asparagus? Mm, well, I don't need any because I won't plant asparagus because I don't like it. <laughs> Garden hose. <laughs> no. <laughs> In Eugene, there's also Burrito Brigade, which has been serving vegan burritos to homeless every weekend since 2014. And they've cool. expanded beyond the burritos and also assist the community set up tiny free food pantries, which operate on a take what you need, leave what you have philosophy. And they manage the waste to taste food box program where they work with local businesses, farmers, and grocery stores to rescue food that would otherwise go to waste. They have no income or other verification requirements, and they often have opportunities to volunteer. That sounds really cool. Well, Eugene doesn't have all the cool things. The Thurston County Food Bank, which is in Olympia, 
In case you didn't know, I live in Eugene and Jen lives in Olympia. So there's a little bit of competition between the two areas now, I guess, in addition to the competition between us. Yeah. So the Thurston County Food Bank has some great programs as well. Their mission is to eliminate hunger within our community in the spirit of neighbor helping neighbor. According to their website, in 2019, they rescued over 1.75 million pounds of wholesome food from going to waste. Mm -hmm. And that included fresh produce, frozen meat, dairy items, and deli items that local retailers or food distribution centers couldn't sell. And instead, these foods were given to people in need through the Olympia Food Pantry and Network of Satellites and Partners. They're always looking for volunteers, and they also have a gleaning program, and you can even donate extra food from your garden. That's cool. Mm -hmm. And I mean, basically, the reason besides our slightly competitive nature that we're talking about these other opportunities is that there's likely opportunities that exist in your community where you can either find food resources or you can volunteer to help your neighbors have better access to fresh, healthy local foods. So there you have it. The end of episode two. Love your mother. Earth Farm. Hey, Jen, how <laughs> fast is milk? Mm, uh, slow? It's pasteurized before you know it. Oh. <laughs> so in this episode, <laughs> we interviewed Liam McNamara to learn more about the Mother Earth Farm and the Emergency Food Network. And even though he no longer works with them, the information's still accurate. Mother Earth Farm provides a great niche, a niche niche, within the Emergency Food Network to help provide fresh produce to their community. Being local and connected with the community allows them to be flexible and decide to grow a produce based on demand, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It's also a great place to volunteer, whether you want to repack food for food bank distribution or help grow food at Mother Earth Farms. And by help grow food, we mean weeding, probably. That's probably. usually what they need help with. Yeah. They are able to produce an average of 100,000 pounds. That's 50 tons wow. of fresh produce to the community from eight acres of land. I mean, that's I just... Amazing. That's, yeah, I feel like that's so much food for eight acres. Yeah. I mean, eight acres is a chunk of land, but still. Mm -hmm. 50 tons? What? The Emergency Food Network has a goal of having 50% of their food as fruits and vegetables, which is awesome. Yeah. They can work with the local community to identify what kind of food to grow. And they provide fresh greens throughout the winter to select food banks, which otherwise won't have any access to them. And then through the repack program, they redistribute over 1.5 million pounds of food annually. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Right? Getting back to alternative food systems, while Mother Earth Farm operates within our traditional food system, it embodies most of the principles of food sovereignty. They focus on food for the people, working to provide healthy and culturally appropriate foods. They value the food providers, those who grow, harvest, and process the food from the local farmer to all of the volunteers. It localizes the food system by allowing the farm to work with their consumers to make joint food decisions that benefit and protect all. It allows for local control of what they grow and how they grow it, and they're able to be responsive to input from the community about what to grow. It helps the community build knowledge and skills by providing a place for growing food and community. And Mother Earth Farm is working with nature to avoid costly and toxic inputs and improve the resiliency of local food systems. Hey, Jen. Oh, no. What? 
Which friends should you take to dinner? Hmm. Not you? I mean you? Rude. I don't know. I don't know. Your taste buds, Jen. Your taste buds. That's that's for sure. Please join us for episode three of this season in two weeks, where we will be interviewing Tiari and Jordan with City Fruit in Seattle to learn more about gleaning and what they do for the community. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please let us know what you think at outalivepodcast.com or on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash will we make it out alive. Don't forget to check out our show notes or blog for links to resources related to this episode. Until next time, will will we we make make it it out out alive? This is Amy the Poop Detective growing away. Oh gosh. Angie the Magical Mapper. Goodbye.